Today, I want us to think about the story in John 4, Jesus and the Samaritan woman. The major teaching of this story of John 4, or at least one of the major teachings, is Jesus is the Savior of the world. The Lord Jesus is not only the Savior of Jews, he is also the Savior of Samaritans, and he is also the Savior of Gentiles. He will save ones from every nation, tribe, people, and language. The testimony of John the Baptist, John 1, verse 29, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Today, though, rather than study this or another primary teaching of John 4, I want us to consider four secondary lessons of this story. This passage is rich in spiritual truth. And once more, this morning, I want us to spend time with four of its secondary lessons. Before we get into these lessons, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we do bow before you, and we do ask for your grace during this time and for the rest of this service. Oh, Heavenly Father, please lead us, teach us, change us. Please be glorified, greatly glorified through this message and our time of communion. In Jesus' name, amen. Lesson number one. Lesson number one today is... The Lord is able to work in any person he pleases unto salvation. Do you know a person? Do you know some people who you think are so lost, uh, so sinful, or who you think are so ignorant or so self-righteous or so blind to Christ that they could never become children of God. Lesson one, the Lord is able to work in any person he pleases unto salvation. What a tremendous truth. Listen, in John 3, the Lord is described as dealing with a man, Nicodemus. In John 4, he is described as dealing with a woman, the woman at the well. In John 3, the Lord is described as dealing with a Jew. In John 4, he is described as dealing with a Samaritan. In John 3, the Lord deals with a person of high moral standing. In John 4, he deals 
with an individual of low moral repute. Nevertheless, the Lord proves himself able to save. They both become children of God. Jeremiah 32, verse 27. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? The Lord is able to work in anyone he pleases unto salvation. Here is Saul of Tarsus persecuting the Lord Jesus, even putting followers of the Lord Jesus to death. And the Lord saves him. Here is Abram worshiping an idol made by hands, and the Lord God saves him. Here is the wicked Assyrian city of Nineveh, and the Lord has the city repent of its wickedness. Here is the thief on the cross hurling insults at the Lord Jesus. But the Lord Jesus, right before the thief dies, saves him. Pastor Chuck Smith tells the story of his area of Newport Beach, California, a, a number of years ago, being invaded by straggly kids loaded on drugs from all over the United States. Kids who had rejected the establishment, their homes, the value system that had been established in our communities. And they began, he said, to just live on the streets, to live in communes, to live in their old vans. And they invaded our area. They filled Laguna Canyon. They were living in the caves. And they weren't bathing. They weren't doing anything except lying around stoned. And most people looked at them and said, those straggly, filthy, Hippies, how repulsive they are. And Chuck Smith very honestly says, and we were praying that God would rid our community of them. But God had another idea. He went on to use Chuck Smith, his wife, and other believers to minister to them. And God changed their hearts, their lives, their tastes, their habits, and converted many of them. The Lord is able to work in anyone he pleases unto salvation. Sometimes pastors and churches think that their community, their city can't be reached with Christ. 
Sometimes we individual Christians think. We think that about certain people we know. Once more, what I want us to take with us, first of all, this morning is salvation comes from the Lord, and the Lord is able to save anyone he pleases. If there was a place in the minds of the Jews of our Lord's day where there wasn't going to be a spiritual working, it was Samaria. But in Samaria, where the Samaritans lived, the Lord Jesus said in John 4, verse 35, to his disciples, I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Let's not give up asking God to convert people, unsaved family, unsaved relatives, unsaved friends, unsaved classmates. Let's not give up asking God to convert people to whom our missionaries are ministering. Let's not stop doing that. Lesson number two. Lesson number two today is when the Lord saves a person, he wants to use that person. Or let me put it this way. When the Lord works in a person, he then wants to work through that person. Uh, notice again some of the verses we read earlier in John 4. Verses 25 and 26. Uh, the woman uh, at the well said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Verses 28 through 30. <laughs> then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. The Lord Jesus evidently worked at some point in the heart of that woman. He evidently worked salvation in her heart. And he also worked through her to reach other Samaritans in the town of Sychar. I'm reminded through this, as I think about it, as I reflect on it, I'm reminded that the Lord Jesus wants to work through the ones in which he works. Turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 8 copy of your Bible, Luke chapter 8. Starting at verse 26 of Luke 8, we read 
the story of Jesus healing a demon-possessed man. Actually, Jesus does far more than just cast demons out of this man. Because he is able to work in any person, he pleases unto salvation. He also gives this man a new heart and brings him to faith in himself. He also brings him to salvation. Now, upon this man's salvation, we read this in the end of verse 37 and then verses 38 and 39. So he, meaning Jesus, got into the boat. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. When the Lord works in a person, he wants to work through that person. Return home and tell how much God has done for you. And when a person is saved, that one wants to tell others of God's goodness to him or her. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us about spiritual gifts. It tells us that the Lord Jesus gives spiritual gifts. It tells us that he gives spiritual abilities to every believer. Verse 7, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Question, but why does Christ give us spiritual abilities? What's behind this gracious act? When the Lord saves a person, he wants to use that person. When the Lord works in a person, he wants to work through that person. The Gospel of Luke, we read, tells us what Jesus began to do and teach. The book of Acts tells us what Jesus continued to do and teach through his followers. Luke, what Jesus began to do and teach. The Acts of the Apostles, what he continued to do and teach through his followers. A number of years ago, I attended a navigators conference. That's a, uh, a spiritual organization. I attended a navigators conference in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. And one of the speakers was downright exciting as he spoke on what we are now saying and as he told us about Christians in his church, an area being used by the Lord. Uh, here were some people uh, doing a singles ministry. Uh, here, here was a, a lady who 
was willing to leave her comfort zone, and she began a Bible study for women at a prison, etc. He wrote a book on this subject, and the title of that book is this, The Church Unleashed. When Christians work, the church is unleashed. You know, we right here can bring a great deal of glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. We can? Yes, we really can. For the Lord has saved us, and he wants to use us. And so, not only do we want to continue to ask the Lord to convert unsaved loved ones, etc. But we want, to, we want to pray to the Lord, Lord, lead me. Lead me to do what you want me to do. Lead me to do what you have saved me to do for you. Number three, lesson number three. I, I also see in our story a lesson about the necessity of confessing sin. In order to be right with God, we must humbly confess our sins to God. Several years ago, George Gallup Jr., then president of the American Institute of Public Opinion, reported that 50 to 60 million Americans claimed to be born again. Do you, do you remember that? A result of, of one of his polls was that many Americans said they were born again Christians. Is that true? Are there that many true Christians in the United States? I don't know for sure, but I'm skeptical. And I'm skeptical because of what someone else has said. This someone else has pointed out that there seems to be so little personal consciousness of sin. There seems to be so little personal consciousness and confession of sin today. My friends, that is necessary for a person to be a Christian. We become a Christian through confessing our sins and receiving Christ as Savior from our sins. And we show that we are a Christian through continuing to confess the sins we commit. In our story of John 4, the Lord Jesus talks to the Samaritan woman about eternal life, verses 13 and 14. The Samaritan woman is interested she replies to the Lord in verse 15, Sir, 
give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. You know, give me this water which gives eternal life. Notice then what the Lord Jesus says to her in verse 16. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. Go, call your husband. What does that have to do with eternal life? This is a major area of sin in this woman's life. She has had five husbands, and the man she now has is not her husband. Jesus is saying, in order to have eternal life, one must take care of his, of her sins. One must confess them, repent of them before God. One must be forgiven of them by God. In order to be right with God, and then to fellowship with God, we must deal with our sins in Christ. Remember the story of Jonah and the city of Nineveh? Jonah was sent to preach against this Assyrian city. It wasn't right with God. Its wickedness had come up before God, and God was going to judge Nineveh. Forty more days and Nineveh will be destroyed, proclaimed Jonah. But Nineveh did something. She humbled herself. She admitted her sins. She turned from her evil ways. And God had compassion on her and did not destroy her. In order to be right with God, and to go on in fellowship with God, we must confess and turn from our sins to him. I want to ask, have you done this? Have you done this and are doing this? Are you living a life of repentance? One summer for a week, I was a counselor at a Christian camp for inner city children from Philadelphia. And one of my boys seemed to be under the working of the Lord. Uh, each night I would uh, open up the Bible and talk to them about the Lord Jesus. And, and again, it, one of my boys seemed to be under the working of the Lord unto salvation. Why, why, why did I think that? Because I remember how he was concerned about his sins and how he confessed his sins to the Lord with sorrow for forgiveness. Have you taken care of your sins? Are you repenting daily of sin? If not, ask the Lord 
for his grace to you here. The necessity of dealing with our sin. Our last point. Our last point this morning in John 4 is, through our story, we are reminded that in one's salvation, all praise goes to the Lord. Horatius Bonar, lived in the 1800s, has written a hymn that begins with these words. I was a wandering sheep. I did not love the fold. I did not love my shepherd's voice. I would not be controlled. He perhaps based those words on a verse that Dr. Cable read earlier, Isaiah 53, 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But then, Horatius Bonar, in his second stanza, wrote this. The shepherd sought his sheep. The father sought his child. They bound me with the bands of love. They saved the wandering one. Horatius Bonar understood what the Bible says about salvation. Salvation is a work of God. All glory goes to God. We savingly love God because he first loved us. And we are also reminded of this truth in our story of the Samaritan woman. Verse 4 tells us that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Did you notice that? What does that mean he had to go through Samaria? There were actually three routes he could have taken for his trip. Does it simply mean then that since the shortest distance from the Jerusalem-Jericho region where Jesus had been carrying on his ministry to Cana in Galilee, his destination was through Samaria. Jesus had to go through Samaria in order to save time, in order to save steps. I think it is more probable that the words he had to go through Samaria mean this. The Lord had to go this way to carry out his Father's will in reference to the Samaritan woman and some of the other Samaritans. It was the Father's will that this woman and other Samaritans became children of God. And the Lord the shepherd went through Samaria and brought them to the fold. We are reminded that one's salvation is a work of God. From start to finish, it is a work of God. And my friends, that is the way it is with each one of you here this morning who is a child of God. Your salvation 
is a gracious work of God. God sought you and bound you with the bands of love and rescued you, his wandering one. Be thankful for God's incredible grace to you. He saved you. Amazing. And testify, all glory goes to God. At the communion table this morning, let's reflect on and respond to these four points. We are not to come to the Lord's table with empty heads and empty hearts. We are to come with content, and we are to respond to that content at the Lord's table. So let's reflect on and respond to the four lessons of today. The Lord is able to work in anyone he pleases unto salvation. <laughs> he worked in me. I was a wandering one. I did not love the fold. I would not be controlled. He worked in me. When the Lord saves a person, he wants to use that person. I have a calling. Jesus brought me to himself, and now he wants to go through me and minister. I am useful. In order to be right with God, one must deal with his or her sins before God. We brought our sins to the Lord Jesus. He cleansed us. He washed us. He forgave us. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. When we come into the presence of the Lord at the Lord's table, let's take our sins to him once again. Have him forgive us and have us rejoice in our salvation. And then salvation is of the Lord from start to finish. Let's give God the honor for our salvation at the Lord's table today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you will help us now, please, to come to the Lord's table, to meet with him. Help us to do so in such a way that uh, we do respond once again to the truths of salvation in him. Heavenly Father, help us to come and focus on him and honor him and glorify him and rejoice in him. And as we eat and drink, help us to be nourished spiritually. Oh, Heavenly Father, help us to recall some things from the message that we might use to Come to the Lord's table. In Jesus' name, amen.